Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino. Folks, it's all going down at the FanDuel Sportsbook and Lounge at Live Casino, where you can get in on all the action this football season. Bet on your teams with a sportsbook rep or at our self-service kiosks, and then jump into the stadium on our giant 40-foot video wall. How's that for a touchdown? Join your friends at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Bet, watch, and win. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And as we do on Tuesdays during the season, I'm just going to find some nuggets and some second viewing observations. Um, This is probably going to carry into tomorrow because I have a bunch of stuff I have to do today for Steelers.com and the snap counts have not been released when I'm recording this at 1230 on Tuesday. And there will also be a bunch of Black Monday stuff going on around the league. We'll talk a little bit of playoffs even without the Steelers. But I do want to dig into snap counts tomorrow, as well as some guys that played better or worse. So these are just some nuggets I found. So this might be a little bit of a short one. Uh, Yesterday was a lot longer than I expected. But anyway, um, so Kenny Pickett finished his rookie season with a 7-5 and record in games he started. Think about this from before the year. If I could tell you that your rookie quarterback, even if he was first pick overall, which Kenny wasn't, won more games than he lost as a starter, every team in the league would take that. I mean, whoever takes Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, would all say on draft day that if a Magic Genie came down and said you would win more games in your rookie year in which this first-round quarterback starts than you lose, will you take it? Absolutely. And... Maybe I'll dig into this. It'll probably pop up. But how many guys, first-round rookie quarterbacks, actually did that in the last 10 years, 20 years? Maybe one of you guys has that close by. and you know, Shoot it to me on Twitter, at Williamson NFL. It wasn't like he was Ben and he only lost, and the Steelers lost one game the whole year. I'm sure some of you were thinking that. It was only seven and five. But it's something to build on. I think there's a lot to build on. Trust me, I have a lot of picket stuff to talk about. Most of it positive, but we'll break him down like crazy here in the coming weeks. Um, Maybe more importantly than anything, in terms of Steelers' success, was since the bye, which is a pretty big stretch of games, that's nine games, only one interception by the rookie quarterback. You'll take it. And we talked about this going into the bye. His interception numbers were unjustified inflated. I mean, I didn't worry about him at the bye going, this dude's a turnover machine. He has no clue. He's throwing the ball to the other team. He had some bad luck and some bad circumstances, you know, and Hail Marys, things like that. But I didn't expect one interception the rest of the way to take that. And throwing a couple come from behind victories too. I mean, he was near the top of the league and bring the team back too. So good things, good things. So I found this very interesting. You guys know I'm a huge EPA nerd. And I think EPA is quickly becoming the best metric out there to really show how good an offense is, a defense is, quarterback is, all these things. So for the entire season, and this includes how bad the Steelers were on offense for the first half of the season. So what teams from 2022 or from last year to this year, I got my years mixed up, Increased the most in EPA on offense. The Giants were the most. I mean, think about where the Giants were 
a year ago. They were the, like the worst offense in the league. Detroit was second, similar. They ended up with a great offense, and we saw a lot of that last night. But they were miserable a year ago. Jacksonville, Miami, Carolina, Atlanta, and then the Steelers. The Steelers, this won't mean much to you, but they ended up one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh biggest jump for the entire year. You know, for everything they did last year on offense to everything they did this year on offense, only six teams improved offensively more. And again, this won't mean a lot to you, but that was a plus 3.4 EPA from last year. You know, points at expected points added. That's a big jump. 0.34 is a big jump from a year. So a lot of the offenses improved rapidly this year. Steelers were amongst them. What's to say they won't improve again next year? So I mentioned buy, you know, pre-buy, post-buy. This almost doesn't add up to me. And again, I am a big EPA believer. But if we filter out EPA for the year, just weeks 10 through 18. Again, that's nine games for the Steelers. That's post-buy. Here's where they end up ranking in the second half of the season for them. EPA per play offensively. This is their, their three offensive ranks. Fourth. Fourth best offense in the entire league from week 10 on during the regular season. Now, I don't think they truly are the fourth best offense in the league, but I'm also not the, the one running the numbers or writing the formulas. EPA per dropback, so offensive passing, fifth. EPA per rush, fourth. That adds up to me. I mean, it, there there weren't many better run teams in the league over the last nine games in the Steelers. But offensive EPA, fourth. Per dropback, fifth. Per rush, fourth for these last nine games. Versus the whole league. Defensively, I thought they'd be a little better. I thought they'd be worse offensively, but I thought they'd be a little better defensively, but still very respectable. EPA per play on defense, again, this is from weeks 10 to 18, 12th in the league. Pretty darn good. EPA per drop back, 20th. That's what's holding them back a little bit. We'll discuss team needs, but a corner might go a long way for that. You know, it just has such a ripple effect. Corner is going to be an interesting conversation to me. So they've been they were 20th in EPA per drop back defensively from weeks 10 to 18. But against the run during that stretch, 10th best. So all those numbers are playoff caliber, you know what I'm saying? Like they to me they were a much more deserving playoff team than Miami or the Jets or the Patriots or that that range they were competing with. I'm not saying they were went to Buffalo and beat the crap out of them or anything. I don't think they would have. But I thought they were one of the best seven teams in the AFC and certainly one of the best 14 teams in the league. Uh, quick break, and then I got some more nuggets for you. Um, I wanted to highlight one play that I thought was really encouraging. The Pickens touchdown. It was very similar to his touchdown against the Raiders to win it. 
And hey, I've been really hard on Mac Canada and route concepts, but it was nice to see something different. And this is a great example. So it was really nice work by Pickens and Pickett. And I guess Canada as well. And reasoning, they moved Pickens around. He lined up in the slot as an interior receiver. You know, I've been begging for more in-breaking routes, interior route concepts, middle of the field, intermediate routes. Well, that's exactly what this was. And the difference was when they played the Raiders, it was an option route. And what I mean by an option route is both the quarterback and the receiver have to re- re- you know, read the coverage on the fly. Of course, they're looking at a pre-snap, but safeties move all the time. Coverages change. So it was really important. That's why I'm bringing it up. To see both instances, Raiders and Browns, Pickett and Pickens being on the same page on an option route. Because that seems easy to me and you, but this stuff happens very quick while you're trying to run a route and get off coverage and avoid the rush and all these things. So really what happened in a, in a nutshell is he lines up in the slot. I think it was to the wide side of the field. And what he had, what, what his responsibility, both their responsibility is, they saw cover two. There was a two high shell against the Raiders. So he's going to the void on a skinny post between the two safeties when he sees two high. Now, if there was a safety in the middle of the field, you don't. You basically go to the void. So against the Raiders, they had two high safeties. So he splits them. Boom, balls on time, touchdown, Steelers win, yay. Against yesterday, against the Browns, it was a cover three shell with two corners on the outside, a safety in the middle of the field. So they call that middle of the field closed. So Pickens does not break the route off in between the two safeties. Instead, he stays in the gap and adjusts his route slightly between the corner and the free safety, the middle of the field defender. Pickett hits him, touchdown, yay. So things are coming along. Uh, here's some nuggets I've whipped up to. Najee. His yards for carry wasn't good, but that's fine. He had 84 or more rushing yards in six of the team's final nine games of the year. Again, that's week 10 on. And he rushed for 677 yards in those nine games to get over well over 1,000 yards for the year. His miserable start got turned around in a big way. 677 rushing yards in those nine games. And he's not the full-time player he was last year. You know, So that's on less snaps. Very encouraging. And again, go back and read my article from last week. I very much think the Steelers' ground game is sustainable. Um, this makes me crazy, but the Steelers were in the bottom half, and I'm going to look into this. I think it's well below just the bottom half in the NFL and the use of motion and play action. I've been complaining about play action for a while. It makes no sense to me while they're not at the top of the league or top five. But you would think motion, with all the jet action you see, would still rank in the top 50%. It doesn't. So I bet play action, I know play action, is like third or fourth least used by this offense. I bet motion at least is closer to middle of the pack. But that was what Canada was supposed to be his specialties, you know, and not what happened. A couple Deshaun Watson nuggets because he's in the division and what we saw yesterday. So they sacking him seven times would have been eight if it wasn't for Cam's um, 
If his would have counted, that could have been an eighth. But, you know, we're splitting hairs. You know, there's a butterfly effect, would everything gone the same way after that. Um, but they, also, they, they sacked him seven times, hit him ten times, and picked him off twice. So, welcome to the rivalry, Deshaun. You know, I mean, it's a great message to send to a quarterback that's going to be playing against you for a long time. And his starts with the Browns, six games, produced 6.5 yards per attempt, seven touchdown passes, five interceptions, just a 79.1 passer rating, and a minus 28.6 pass EPA, which is like at the bottom of the league. You know, how how excited are you about that right now? I mean, that was six games. It wasn't, boy, a little bit rusty after 700 days off. That's pretty rough. Um, Percy Harvin. I always call him Presley. Percy, Har- Percy Harvin's a Viking. Presley Harvin um, gets a lot of heat, and I would bring in another punter to compete with him in camp. But he never gets credit when things are good. But he was a big reason that they won the field position game in this game, which is huge for the way the team's orchestrated. 48 yards per punt with a net of 46.3. Good hang time, good placement, good coverage. So the punt team was really, really good in this game. And Harvin's had his moments this year. Latest news, again, I'm just hearing this a little bit after noon on Tuesday. Sounds like an MCL sprain and no surgery for Fryermuth. That's tremendous. I was really worried that we weren't going to see him for week one, let alone training camp. So I don't know when he'll get back on the field. There's no reason to rush him. Maybe he won't be involved in OTAs or anything like that. But I just seeing just the headline... I, I think there's no reason to be concerned about him going for next year. It looked bad to me. I was really concerned about that. So that's tremendous news. Um, last two nuggets here are, you probably know by now, they're draft slots. Steelers have the 17th pick in the first round, as well as 32 overall in a year when there's only 31 first round picks because Miami conceded theirs for cheating. Um, so the, the Bears earning number one gets the Steelers number 32. And I think the Steelers have 48 in the second round. But the way this works, the Lions and Steelers both tied at 9 and 8. So their tiebreaker is strength of schedule, which means the Steelers ended up with the 17th pick. The Lions ended up with the 18th pick. But I'm almost certain, and I haven't confirmed this, but that's how they've done it for years. When you have a tiebreaker like that, these two teams will alternate every round. So the first round, the third round, the fifth round, the Steelers have the 17th pick in that in that round. But in the even rounds, two, four, six, they will pick 18th in that round with the Lions picking 17th. So also draft note, uh, by the people I trust that do this for a living, the Steelers are not projected to get any comp picks. That No one knows that for sure. That'll be a while till that stuff comes out. But you got to think they brought in much more than they lost last year. So they probably will not be getting any comp picks. So don't count on that. And then the last note, in case you haven't seen it, next year's schedule has been released in terms of opponents. Um, and I can explain the schedule down the road, how that works. And very subject to change. But this looks very favorable to me. I mean, there's no Chiefs. There's no Bills. I mean, there's no powerhouses. So... As is the case now with the 17-game schedule, this will be the third season the NFL has done that. The first year, the AFC got the extra game. This past year, 
the AFC was on the road for nine and home for eight. So this upcoming season, we'll go back to the Steelers having nine home games, eight road games. Stuff's important. I mean, I know it's one game, but home versus the road's a big deal. So at home, in no particular order, these are the teams the Steelers are set to face. Of course, Baltimore, Cincy, Cleveland, of course. But Arizona's coming here, who just fired their coach five minutes ago. Green Bay, who's not a playoff team at this point. Jacksonville, who I think is a high-quality opponent, but I would much rather play them here. Um, the Patriots are here. The Niners look like the best team on you know from outside the division. And Tennessee. So you're getting the Niners here, which I think is very, very big. Tennessee looks like a disaster going forward. So does Arizona. So that looks like a very favorable home schedule. Again, Ravens, Bengals, Browns, Cardinals, Packers, Jags, Patriots, Niners, Titans. On the road, eight of those games, eight, eight games on the road. Of course, Baltimore, Cincy, Cleveland, as you know. Going to Houston doesn't look too tough. Going to Indy doesn't look too tough. Going to Vegas with who I assume will be without Derek Carr. Could be a good road trip for you guys, by the way. Uh, the Rams, who are sputtering, to say the least. And then at Seattle could be a really tough game. All these teams will change dramatically, but this looks like a very... Very favorable schedule to me for a team that surely will be one of the hot teams. You know, like all the all the all of us people that do this for a living, you know, who should we expect a big step forward from next year? I think Pittsburgh will be at the top of a lot of those lists. So very encouraging. Would be fun if they were in the playoffs, but they're not. Uh, tomorrow I'll break down more Steelers Browns, probably go around the league with coach firings too, just give you my two cents on that. So over and out. We'll see you.